All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in to a Wednesday, February 21st edition of Daily Faceoff Live, streaming on the Daily Faceoff YouTube, and as always, brought to you by Batano. The game starts now at batano.ca. He is our Daily Faceoff insider, Frank Saravalli, and I'm Tyler Rumchuk, back from a quick vacation. Frank, how are you doing? I am good. Uh, lots happening in the hockey world. It feels like, you know, 16 days out from the trade deadline now, it's the quiet or calm before the storm. Yeah, I can imagine the storylines will only be picking up in the next couple of weeks here as we approach the March 8th deadline. We'll talk a little bit of trade stuff later on in the show. Lou Gastic will swing by for his weekly hit. But outside of that, there is a lot to get to. I mean, just from the ice last night, Frank, we had the Islanders and Penguins going to overtime in a game with two teams just struggling to grab momentum in that Eastern Conference playoff race. And we're starting there. Yesterday on the show, yourself and Colby Cohen talked about the Western race and the Minnesota Wild, who seem to be turning on the Jets a little bit here. Out East, there really are a handful of teams who just aren't grabbing any momentum whatsoever, Frank. You can look at the Islanders and Penguins, who it felt like for a little bit there in the third period, neither side wanted to win that hockey game. But around them, the Capitals are in that group as well. Like none of these teams from Tampa Bay to Pittsburgh in the standings have more than six wins in their last 10. If you had to take a stab, though, and eye up one team who you think can maybe go on a bit of a run here in the next 16 days and change the perception of their playoff chances, who would it be? I mean, just from a pure talent standpoint, most people would think the Devils, right? 
but we spent a long time breaking, breaking down their game yesterday with John Goins in the coach's room. And you see some of the tendencies that exist there. I don't know that they're going to be able to get out of their own way. I think in a lot of ways, they play like the Toronto Maple Leafs did five years ago when they were just trying to outscore teams and win 7-6. That's not going to work. I'm sure Lindy Ruff is pulling out you know, whatever hairs he has left trying to get that team to play more structured. And I like a little bit of what I've seen from the Islanders. They've definitely had more energy under Patrick Waugh. I just don't know that they're going to get there. So I'm going to make a bold proclamation today, February 21st, and that is the eight teams that are in playoff spots in the Eastern Conference right now will be the eight teams that go to the playoffs in April. Crazy? I I don't think so at all. I, I think Detroit's a team, the goaltending they've been getting from Alex Lyon, once you get a Vili Huso back and healthy as well, I think they're a team that'll have a really good shot. Never know what Steve Eiserman will get up to at the deadline. Why would you bet against the Tampa Bay Lightning? We'll talk about the Philadelphia Flyers in a little bit, Frank, but if we could just flip back, Gavin, to those teams that are out of it. like I, I agree with you because when I look at this list, None of these teams really jump out as like, okay, they might go nine and one in their next 10 games and really move themselves away from the pack. I look more at, and again, looping it back to that Penguins Islanders game last night, a lot of these teams that just still feel so lifeless. And I get that at game 20 or 30 or 40, you can kind of sit there and be like, ah, the half a season, you can turn it around and, and really change your momentum up. Now that we're closing in on game 60, Frank, it's like you're almost running out of time at some point to go on the big season saving heater. Well, that's that's exactly how I feel about the Penguins. I mean, we just talked about the Devils and the Islanders, but Pittsburgh, if you look at a lot of their underlying metrics, if you look at some of you know the way that their numbers have unfolded, you could make the argument that they should be winning a lot more games and that they're just not getting the bounces, so to speak. I would say after 60 games, nearly three quarters of the season, it's you it's too late to make that argument. You can't you know, you can say that in at game 15, but we have enough evidence to support now that this team, you know, analytics and numbers, you know, be damned that they don't have the goods as it stands right now to get back in the race and with Jake Gensel missing for at least another 3 weeks, who's going to be their, you know, knight in shining armor that comes in to save them? I I just don't see it. No, I don't see it either. And again, last night, they go up against the Islanders. I don't think they touched the puck in overtime before Ryan Pulak fired in a wrister from the blue line. A disappointing loss for them, and it's one of many as of late. Out in the East, one team that has been winning a lot, Frank, it's the New York Rangers. Eight wins in a row, the epic comeback victory at the stadium series as well. And of those eight, Four of them have come with Igor Shesterkin between the pipes. And when you look at the game logs, it's like, ooh, a handful of starts here with some 900 or better save percentages. Last night against Dallas, he was absolutely remarkable, stopping 41 of 42. That save percentage is moving in the right direction. But even in the game, and, and this one was in a weird way encouraging against the Islanders where he gave up five goals. And you go like, ooh, that stat line is kind of ugly. Five goals against such a big number. He still made a number of really big stops to allow them to stay in that game. It feels like Shesterkin is back for the Rangers, and that is significant. He is back. Uh, another bold proclamation here. In what's been a super weird se uh, season, if I could get that out, for Shesterkin this season, you look at his numbers, and when he has a 900 save percentage or better, the Rangers haven't lost this year. 
but he's had a number of games. I think it's eight of them where he's been sub 800 and it's been so uncharacteristic for him. But remember a couple weeks ago, we were talking on the other side of the all-star break about a goalie controversy in New York and that, oh, this is how Peter Laviolette handles his goalies. No, Igor Shesterkin was always going to be the guy. And the extra time that he spent working with goaltending coach Benoit Allaire, I think has paid huge dividends. This is not, he's not the first goalie we've seen this season to take some time away from his team to just prep solely either mentally or on the ice with the goalie coach to get a bit of a reset. And the numbers speak for themselves. Igor Shesterkin, 4 0 and 0, 937 save percentage. He appears to be back at that level that he was at previously. And I know, you know, a couple hiccups here or there, but. He made key saves when it mattered in the stadium series. And then, you know, you take a look at the game last night against the Dallas Stars. I mean, 41 saves on 42 shots, nearly flawless at the Garden. It feels like he's turned the corner on his season. And if Jonathan Quick continues to play as well as he has, you know, look out the rest of the Eastern Conference. I know a lot of people believe the Florida Panthers are the team to beat. And I would subscribe to that notion right now, but don't look past New York. No. And again, if they're getting this kind of goaltending from Igor Shesterkin, they become that much more difficult to beat. In watching Rangers coverage, our guy Johnny Lazarus at Daily Faceoff and from Morning Cup of Hockey does a great job of covering the team. And like there was a significant stretch there. It wasn't just a three or four game blip. There was a long little bit of hockey there where Rangers fans were wondering if they were a true cup contender but I wonder now with points in 10 of their last 11 if maybe Chris Drury in that front office are starting to get a little itchy Frank they've gone all in in ways the last couple of deadlines hasn't really worked out I think they're maybe they maybe could be one of those teams who just goes hey let's just roll the dice and see how good this group can be this year but when you're on a run like this leading up to the deadline that trigger finger it's got to get a little itchy Look, I I don't think it's in the New York Rangers mantra to sit back and roll the dice with what they have They've been pretty aggressive for a reason. Um, You know, they think that they can make the correct moves to put this team on the right path. Third line center is clearly a hole with Philip Heedle out. Blake Wheeler now out for the rest of the season and a return in the playoffs unlikely gives them another hole to fill in their lineup on the right side. I think Chris Drury is going to be pretty aggressive. Yeah, and you mentioned with Heedle specifically, too, gives you a little bit of LTIR room if you want to use it. Chance to maybe have some flexibility ahead of the deadline. Frank, let's go out west and talk a little bit about the LA Kings and specifically one LA King who I think scored the goal of the year last night, Quinton Byfield. This is just absolutely breathtaking. The control to first make this move lose the puck basically twice and then still find a way to to be poised enough to just corral it, flip to the backhand, put it up over top of, I believe, Elvis Merzlikens. Frank, this is the goal of the year from Byfield. I I think this one's going to be incredibly tough to top at full speed with his size uh, around Warensky, losing the puck, hopping in between as a big guy to find space, the agility to kick it to yourself, as you're on one knee, then go backhand and and get it up over the pad. I mean, elite. And really just wanted to give Quentin Byfield and his entire season some love because I thought heading into this year that, for lack of a better term, it was shit or get off the pot. You're either going to be an NHL marquee player, you're going to make the jump, and you're going to be a breakout star, 
or you're going to be a big guy who didn't quite make it. And when you look at last season, how at least production wise, he kind of took a step back 40 games in his rookie year, 50 some last year and, and drops in goals from five to three. And you're like, man, is this guy going to put it together? He skates so exceptionally well for someone of his size. His speed is elite. And to see what he's been able to put together this season, he's on track for 28 goals, 60 plus points. And even if you look at the last month, it seems like he's just taken this league by the horns more than a point per game, 12 points in 10 games. He's not only put himself on the map, but I think he's totally changed uh, not just the perception of him, but also I think changes in some ways the dynamic for the Kings and how they look at their own forward group with how well he's played. Yeah, so just quickly the numbers. His first 99 career games in the NHL, just eight goals and 25 assists. That's well under a 30-point pace over an 82-game season. This year, he's now up to 18 goals, 24 assists. You're looking at a 60-point, almost 30-goal pace from Quinton Byfield so far this season. And this isn't a guy, and again, with the big body and stuff like that, he's not just like finding a home in front of the net on the power play and chipping in a few nice passes from Anze Kopitar. This is a guy who's like legitimately driving offense, Frank. Like I, things have driving offense great. as a power forward at six foot seven on skates. I mean, yeah, and to to skate that well and to have that kind of speed, it's almost unheard of. And yeah, those bigger guys sometimes take longer to get to that level. But once you see a hundred games of NHL action, sometimes people and rightfully so are fair to ask, is it, is it going to come? Is it going to happen? And we've seen a million players written off at this point. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to go to next. Was it six foot five? I mean, you get drafted at 18. He made his debut that year right after and played in the six game kind of trial series there. And I think sometimes with these big bodies, I know it can be hit or miss, but like sometimes they just need to age. Like it's just, you can't even rush it. Like I don't even the Kings 
think the Kings developed him poorly or anything, Frank. I think it's just sometimes with guys who are that big and that young, it just takes them a while to learn the NHL game and also to get the confidence to carry the puck through basically two defenders up the ice against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So Byfield has been incredible this year, a very positive story for the LA Kings. And it's a guy who, again, with that size, oh, I'd love to see what he could do over a long playoff run for that LA Kings team because I think he could be an absolute beast. I'd love to see what he looks like two years from now with additional strength and additional confidence and also more utilization. He's still only playing just about 15 minutes a night. What happens when that number ratchets up? It's Mm -hmm. there's they're really, I think, just starting to scratch the surface with Byfield and, you know, kudos to them for their scouting process. It's not just that, but also developing, you know, it's hard to make picks at 18 to see what they're going to be at 23. And he's not there yet, but he's certainly trending in the right direction. We got our guy Luke Gazdick's take on him in a little bit as well. Frank, we started the show with the Eastern Conference playoff race. One team that's in the race but has some real tough decisions to make is obviously the Philadelphia Flyers. And one of those tough calls is going to be on Scott Lawton, who's got a couple more years on his contract at a very nice $3 million cap. It The offensive numbers don't jump off the page to you, but when you look at what he brings through the whole 200 feet, it's easy to see why contenders would be lining up for this guy. You wrote a little player profile on him as part of our deadline countdown series. The story is up at dailyfaceoff.com. But how realistic of a chance is there that the Flyers actually move on from this guy, even though they're third in the Metro? Yeah, it's realistic. I think they're in a spot where they have to consider just about everything that crosses Danny Briere's desk that makes sense for this team. But I'm having a hard time drumming up what that market might look like for him. There's no shortage of teams that would be interested, but the Flyers have set a high price and you can see some of the potential suitors that are listed here. I think they all, in speaking to some of these teams yesterday, they all see Scott Lawton as an intriguing piece, a nice addition, but I don't think with limited assets to go around that many teams seem to be keen on the idea of trading a first round pick for Scott Lawton, even though he has two years remaining on his deal. And part of their thinking, their reasoning for that is, again, impactful player, someone that is an elite penalty killer, plays a 200-foot game, can chip in the odd goals here and there, plays with some net front presence, all really nice attributes. But at the end of the day, and what does this boil down to is how many percentage points, for instance, would he help increase your team's chances to win the Stanley cup this season. And I think for a lot of those teams, yeah, there's a multi-year multi-pronged approach to this, but if they're going to be moving their first round pick that they'd want it to be for someone that brings them more immediacy in terms of increasing those Stanley cup chances, someone like an elite playmaker and goal scorer in Jake Gensel or someone that can really impact your blue line like Noah Hannafin and play top pair minutes. Scott Lawton isn't that. He's playing fourth line minutes for the Flyers. His minutes have dropped significantly this season with the return of Sean Couturier. You know, his shooting percentage is down in half. There's a lot of, I think, different facets to look at here. And you understand why the Flyers are setting a high price because they want, if they're going to pry that piece off their roster, who is helping them win now, that they want a solid return. I just don't know that they're going to get it. 
one of the comparable deals you had in uh, in the article was the Barkley Goudreau deal from a couple of years ago. And again, that was a Tampa team who had all that star power and just needed a, one or two more complimentary pieces to push them over the edge. And when you consider the fact Goudreau stuck around for another season after this, I, I think this was a really solid price to pay. Like if this is what it takes for Lawton, Frank, I, I know you had the Oilers on the list there. We have some Oilers fans in the chat wondering about it. It's not directly comparable to Tampa, but in Edmonton, you have all the star power maybe giving up a first-round pick for a guy who can just be a good complimentary third-line piece for you. Maybe that's exactly what you need, not another name like Gensel. Maybe. I mean, that's up to the manager to decide of, you know, is this guy the quintessential, you know, is he the missing puzzle piece for our team? I don't know that anyone would have said at the time that Barkley Goodrow would be for the Lightning coupled with Blake Coleman, but they felt like they had that need and they they traded their first round picks for those two guys that helped put them over the top. Does anyone feel that same way? Do they get the same feelings about Scott Lawton? I don't know. We'll see. If you if they did, you would think that they probably would already have pulled the trigger by now, right? Yeah, that's fair as well. Uh, term on the deal, though. That's an interesting thing to watch ahead of the deadline. All a part of our deadline countdown series. There's another story up today from our pal Matt Larkin. That's all about Jake Gensel as well. So you can read both those at dailyfaceoff.com. Let's move along to our big segment for the day. It's the Players Room with Luke Gazdick. The Players Room is delivered by DoorDash for a limited time. Our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. All you need to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code NATION25. Dash that for the win tonight. If you're like me and you're running on fumes, DoorDash is an absolute lifesaver. Again, that promo code is NATION25. Luke Gazdick, the former NHL or Sportsnet analyst and host of the Mitts Off podcast, joins us as he does every Wednesday. Luke, last we wanted to talk a little bit about the Calgary Flames, but we ran out of time. There's all these rumblings about Jacob Markstrom and maybe them moving off from other pieces that aren't just the rentals in Tanev and Hannafin. Where do you come out on the idea of the Flames shipping out players like Markstrom who have term on their deals? Oh. Had to fix them. There you go. Mike business. You're good. Had to fix them back in business. Yeah, you're good. Sorry, boys. Listen. Yeah, Frank, you reported on this last week about the trades of the Devils with Markstrom, and it makes so much sense for New Jersey. Uh, I, I just, this is one thing I'm approaching in my analyst game that I'm trying to be better at is putting on the GM hat. I'm way better at watching games, breaking down plays, talking about hockey, but when people tell me to do that, it's still something I'm you know trying to process. And I understand a lot of trades and stuff that goes down. Markstrom one is something I'm baffled with. I just think goaltending is so hard to come by in the NHL. Not having, you know, a marquee number one guy can absolutely ruin a team, ruin a franchise. I'm not saying they should never do this. I just don't know if this is the time to be doing it this year. This is probably about as high as his value has or is going to be possibly ever uh, with the way he's playing. I just don't think. Dustin Wolf's shown enough at the NHL level to prove that he's ready to take this crease over. Um, he absolutely dominated the dominated the American League two-time back-to-back AHL goaltender of the year. That's nothing uh, to not take serious here, but I don't know. I just I look at the situation with Markstrom and I don't know if I would be letting go with them or parting ways with them. Um I, I th there's only a handful of guys in the league that can do what he can do. And I 
I would be listening to offers, but I don't know if I'd be sending them out anywhere. Okay. So let me play devil's advocate for a second, Luke. And I, I think in some ways you kind of just made the argument for the flames, which is his value is probably never going to be higher than it is right now. He's already 34. You've admitted publicly that you're embarking on what's at least going to be a short-term rebuild two to three years. His contract has two years left on it. And he's also ultra competitive and wants a chance to win and probably in his own head realizes now that he's not going to have the opportunity to do that in Calgary. So if you are Markstrom, you probably want to be moved. If you're Calgary, you're going, well, he, he's not, he's not really going to help us because if, if anything, he's going to send our team in the wrong direction when we want to be moving down the standings. Wouldn't all those things just add up to moving him now? I honestly, I don't want to compare him and Henrik Lundqvist, but I played with Cam Talbot and I remember Talbs telling me how much Lundqvist meant for his development. And if you look at the situation in New York, it went Cam Talbot, it went Georgiev, and then it went Shesterkin. And all three of those guys playing behind Lundqvist and underneath them went on to have unbelievable careers, still having unbelievable careers. So I think there's an argument to be made for Markstrom being there and Dustin shadowing him just for another year and letting him learn from him. That That's the only thing I'd say on that side that would be a huge bonus to them keeping him. But Maybe I should have framed that a little better. I don't know if this is but the highest it will ever so like, be. Let's say, let's say, let's just play this out. Like, let's say Markstrom mentors uh, Wolf next season. So in the meantime, you need to move Dan Vladar, which is fine. But then once you have the one year of tutelage between Markstrom and Wolf, what do you do then for what's then the final year of Markstrom's contract? And then how yep. much will his value have been compromised between this year and then? I just think you revisit this whole situation at the same time next year. And next year makes a lot more sense. I, I just, if we'll, if Dustin Wolf had came up and gone six and one with a sub two and an inc incredible save percentage, I, I think you're sitting here going, this guy's ready, but he hasn't. So I, I, I really thought that was going to be the case. I just think we should put this aside and this should be at the almost exact time next year. And then I might be leaning on going, okay, I, I think it's time to go and move on from them. Okay, let's move on and talk about a team that the Flames have made two trades with so far this season. And that's the Vancouver Canucks, who really kind of seem to be hitting the first you know, roadblock, the first piece of adversity this season in what's been an unreal year, second in the league in points percentage. Um, is this real adversity or what are you seeing from, from the Canucks that might be concerning? And I'm going to park that game against the wild the other day. No, I think this is the first real adversity we've seen. Uh, good coaches always used to tell us that good teams don't lose three in a row. I didn't think that was coming last night, but that's now three. I would call it very tough emotional losses too. Like the hockey night in Canada versus the jets at home. That's a battle. Uh, put aside Minnesota, obviously, whatever happens there happens. 17 goals, dismissed playing. Kind of write that one off. Uh, but last one I think was one they would expect to win. Uh, their power play, we were going to do this on the show yesterday. Their power play is the worst it's been, it, the worst in the league uh, since February 8th. It was 4.5%. They went 0 for 2 last night. So put that down a couple more points. Uh, and this is a big test for them, man. I, I think this is the regression 
baby regression that everyone's kind of been expecting from this team. And I, I don't know. I've, I've just I've been in locker rooms and I've been on teams like this where you kind of hit your first road bump. And this is where guys, I don't want to say start going at each other, but little things, little mistakes, video sessions, everything starts to get put over, uh, put under a microscope and tensions can start to boil high. This is where your veterans really have to take over and kind of just lead the way. Coaching staff is huge in this kind of steering the ship. But these situations can just kind of go one way or the other. They can figure this out quickly, prove to people that this is a good hockey team that can deal with adversity, or this is going to be the regression that I don't want to say a fair amount of people have been calling for a while here. A couple of quick players I want to hit on with you before we wrap up. We'll have to be quick, but the first one, we just talked about him. I know you wanted to give a take. We were talking about this before the show. Quinton Byfield, six foot five, scores an absolute beauty last night. Is he on the cusp of becoming a star? Breakthrough player of the year, man. If there was a if there was a guy and there was an award that that went out to, it would be him. And I just I love good stories. I played 260 games in the minors before I made the NHL. And here's a player that played parts of three seasons uh, with the Ontario Reign. I, I give some credit. I got to give a shout out to Devonte Smith Pelly, who played with him in Ontario. And I remember asking Devo, I said, "What what's going on with this kid? When why is he not ready? Why are they taking his time?" And he said, "Just wait." He's like, "This kid is unbelievable, and you're going to see soon." But they are taking their time with him. He said he's probably ready now, but they're just going about as slow as you can. And I just think it's it's such a good story that's gone on the back burner in L.A. with all the stuff that's happened with the good start to the losing streak to Todd being fired. This has kind of been pushed down, put Dubois in there as well. And I, I think people should start to be recognizing how how good this young man is at goal last night. I, I say this, I try not to put myself you know, ahead of anything, being a former player, but I hope people appreciate how hard that goal is last night to lose your stick with one hand, skate to stick, and then finish up top. It's, I could try that a hundred times and it's not happening, guys. Uh, let's wrap up with a guy who scored plenty of goals in his career, Nick Alex Ovechkin. A month ago, we're sitting here going, oh my God, he's on pace for like 13 goals. What's happening? Is Ovi totally lost it? Eight goals in his last eight games for the great eight. Can a red hot Ovi try to push this Capitals team any closer to the playoffs? I hope so, at least. It, it's so much better for the league, and it's been fun to watch this. I really hope he continues on a tear here because I'm not going to lie. I, I cover a lot of hockey, and watching the, the Caps these days is not the most exciting brand of hockey that we've seen. I'll even go as far as to say it's a little boring. Uh, the the Caps of the late 2010s, especially the year they won in 18, it's just – it was electric every night, and it's just getting a little more and more stale. A lot of these Capitals games feel like the same version of just a different game, and it's it's pretty much Ovi is the only reason uh, that people like me, I don't know, that don't have to cover them are tuning in. So I hope he continues because I think it's just great for hockey. It's great for the game. Yeah, Nick Dowd, the trade target too from the Washington Capitals, left that game last night with an injury, so certainly something to keep an eye on too. That would have been a nice trade chip. Yeah, Looks like a good of... future oiler. <laughs> I like that. I like that as well, Luke. That's a wrap on this week's edition of the Players Room. Thanks, Luke. Yeah, see you guys. Uh, moving along to our daily face-off inbox question brought to you by Tourism Jasper. Jasper.travel to find out how you can make the most of the last little bit of the winter in the Rockies. Frank, I want to give a shout-out to a comment in our chat. 
from boring Sean Monahan when we were doing the Markstrom thing. You said just to play devil's advocate here. And he said, Frank literally playing devil's advocate. You get it? Advocating for Markstrom to go to the devils. That's really good. I see what you did there. Good work. Uh, last night we saw Nathan McKinnon just barely keep his home point streak alive. Frank, what are the chances Nathan McKinnon can go 41 for 41 in home games in terms of point production? It's a hell of a story. I mean, he's got a really good chance. The abs have been dominant on home ice. He's clearly more than halfway there. I know that one came down to the wire. 28 seconds left. The primary assist on an empty netter. Uh, I'm going to give him a 70% chance. I like that. Maybe our friends at Botano can fire up some odds for if Nathan McKinnon can indeed go 41 for 41. Not if, often a Wayne, a Wayne Gretzky record gets touched. Yeah, I was going to say, if if you're not familiar, it's only happened once in NHL history. Wayne Gretzky, 41 for 41 LA Kings home games. I believe it was 1988, 87-88 or 88-89. One of those seasons uh, he was lights out at home. And so it's, uh, hasn't happened since obviously there's been a couple runs in the thirties, but McKinnon is off to by far the best home start in a long, long time. It's been quite the run. Let's move along to our daily bets for the day brought to you by Botano, who are excited to announce they are the official partner of Copa America 2024, taking the beautiful game to the next level. If you're a footy fan, they got you. If you're a puck fan, they also got you. I have two plays for today, Frank. The first is the over between Buffalo and Montreal. The line is set at six and a half. The Habs have hit this number in four of their last six games since coming out of the All-Star break in their bye week. Buffalo hasn't been a great over team as of late, but I'm actually going to take my chances here on a high number once again. I just think the Habs offense is starting to pick up a little bit here, even though they moved on from Sean Monaghan and both the goaltending on this side or on both sides of this matchup has been a little inconsistent this year. So I'll go with the over and then one money line for you. I don't feel great about trusting the Anaheim Ducks with my money, but they're playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets stink. The Ducks at least have five wins in their last 10 games. And one thing they've done over the last couple of months, they consistently play other bottom feeder teams really well. So I like Anaheim at this price tag, minus 125. The Ducks aren't a good Blue Jackets. team. Also on a back-to-back after the Byfield goal. So I know it's not huge travel going from L.A. to Anaheim, but still, I always like teams on the second of back-to-back as potential victims. Let's wrap up with a little bit of garbage time. It's brought to you by Wendy's in the Daily Face-Off Survivor Game. I'm kicking myself because I won night one, and then yesterday, traveling back from Arizona, forgot to submit my picks. Come on! It's the worst. I'm so mad at myself. Uh, Tonight, Frank, anything you like here? Um, I would go with Colorado over 32 and a half shots. That seems like a decent spot there. Uh, daily face off survivor game brought to you by Wendy's. What do you got for garbage time, Frank? Yeah. I wanted to give a little shout out to, uh, this beautiful Jersey that we've seen, uh, drop today by Mitchell and Ness, uh, a vintage Willie O'Ree sweater, a replica of the one that he wore on January 18th, 1958, when he broke hockey's color barrier. It's looks awesome. Really cool piece of memorabilia and nice thing to just, uh, you know, hang up and, and wear one day. That'd be a nice, really nice tribute to Willie O'Ree and something that I'm surprised it took this long for someone to make, but here it is and it's really awesome. Yeah, really sharp stuff from Mitchell and Ness. Just quickly on the topic of diversity in the game, wanted to give some love to Arshdeep Baines. The Surrey product made his debut for his hometown team, the Vancouver Canucks last night. I believe he is the fourth player of Indian descent to play a game in the NHL. And there was something he did, and we'll just get it again here as the clip resets. But as he goes onto the ice, 
you can see he touches the ground and touches his heart. And our pal Tony Brar pointed this out on Twitter. That is something in Punjabi that is called, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Madha Tech, which is done to show worship and respect. So I just think I look at that and I think about other kids who are going to be looking up to Arshdeep Baines and seeing him do that on a big stage like this for his hometown team. Frank, this was an awesome story. Yeah, it was. And I love that um, his dad was also able to make it into Denver in time for the game. They weren't sure if he was going to be in the lineup or not. And a solid debut for Baines, who has been an excellent player in the AHL this season for Abbotsford. There you go. That is a wrap on today's edition of the show. We went long, but we covered a lot of ground and there'll be more for us to get to tomorrow. Big shout out to everyone over in the YouTube. Hopefully you can join us again tomorrow. We'll talk to you at noon Eastern. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.